Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. You know, Heather was talking about our trip to Niagara Falls this weekend. And uh, as she was talking, I was reminded one of my favorite passages of Scripture in Revelation. It's the close of the book of Revelation. All that's been said, all that... And I'm not going to preach from this this morning, although I might. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just want to share this with you. This was, you know, what a, what a powerful... How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? A good majority of you. If you haven't gone... Uh, you know, I'm not saying this to support tourism. I'm saying this because it's just, it's beautiful. It's absolutely just, what a, what a display of the glory of God in creation, man. And uh, Revelation, John and all of his great, great revelation of Jesus ends the book of Revelation with this picture of the ministry of Jesus. He says in Revelation 22, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it talks about this, this river that's flowing from the throne. And we know, we know from Scripture that this river is the person of the Holy Spirit. It's the river of the Holy Spirit flowing from the throne of God. And as we were watching the waterfall, you know, you've got these mighty rapids, the river that's flowing that leads up to the waterfalls. And then I just had this picture of the presence of the Lord, the, the river of the Holy Spirit that's rushing even today it's rushing. Even this clear crystal river of the Holy Spirit is rushing and flowing today. And, and it's falling over the balconies of heaven into, into our lives. And that's, that's the picture that I got. I mean, as we got closer and closer to the waterfalls, it's like the, the river of His presence that's flowing over the balconies of heaven onto us. And it brought a whole, whole new meaning, that song we sing. I'm under the showers, I'm under the blessing, I'm under the waterfalls of mercy and grace. It's not, that's not a gentle place to be. <laughs> that's a furious place to be. That's a place of furious love, furious love, the, the fury of God's love for you, that you can step in. Man, you can step in into the place of... Him pouring out His presence on your life. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? That you and I, this isn't just head knowledge. It needs to be experience for each of us. Yes, yes. Everybody else will catch up. This needs to be not just head knowledge. This needs to be experience for each of us. That we live in the place of the waterfalls of His presence. Amen. I want to share this morning, I want to start a series on the anointing this morning. I've, I've talked and talked and talked and said that I was going to do this, and I've yet to do it. So now I'm going, now I'm going to do it. So I want, I, I, you know, I want you to have an understanding of the anointing of God, what the anointing is, and how it operates. And so I, I'm going to begin teaching this morning. This is going to be a series. Uh, I can't get through this in a, in a short amount of time. This is going to take a while. Uh, when I do classes and such and teach on the anointing, it, it, it ends up being very quite powerful. And uh, <laughs> not because of me. It's because people actually get the light bulb turned on and begin to really understand what the anointing is and what the anointing is not. 
And, I, I, you know, how, how sad is it that as believers we've been given the gifts of God to accomplish what He's called us to do and we don't know how to use them. When we start talking about terms in anointing or things like that, we chalk that up to oh, those one of those charismaniac kind of people terms, and and we just we laugh it off and shrug it off. No, friend, it's not it's not the the maniacs. Yeah, the maniacs have got it, but we need to get it. We need to understand the anointing and balance and the balance of ministry and begin to operate and flow in the anointing of God. And so we're going to take a look at over the next few weeks. Uh, the cost of the anointing, what does it cost to operate in the anointing, increasing the anointing in your life, the ministry of laying on of hands. How many of you have questions about laying on of hands that you see laying on of hands? Well, that, that is a fundamental doctrine in Scripture. Hebrews 6 says it's a fundamental doctrine. And we don't teach it anymore. Nobody's teaching laying on of hands in the ministry of laying on of hands. It's not just a blessing. It's, there's, a, there's an anointing that is released through laying on of hands. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a look at Jesus' ministry and all of these things. You know, Jesus really is a great example of under, understanding the anointing. I mean, really, he is the anointed one. Jesus Christ, Christ the anointed one. So if you really want to get a good idea of what the anointing is all about, what the anointing does and how it operates, you need to go through the Gospels and begin to study the crusades of Jesus' ministry. Begin to understand the, the crusades and the ministry times of Jesus. And you really get a good picture and understanding of the anointing. The sad thing is in church that we have learned how to do church without the anointing. We've learned how to do church. We can, we can drum up emotions and manipulate emotions like the best of them these days. You know, it's, it's no difference in going to a concert. You can get manipulated. But I'm telling you, friend, manipulation won't get people into the kingdom of heaven. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. The anointing is what sets people free. It's much like Reinhard Bonnke has an illustration in one of his books that we're using for our Bethesda class. The, that it's much like going to church and giving, giving, he likens it to giving people a gun and they can go shoot either real ammo or blanks. It looks the same until you get to the target. But when you get to the target, the difference is real clear whether or not you're shooting real ammo or the blanks. And he makes the analogy that a lot of churches are shooting blanks. They've got the right show. It looks real. But when you get to the heart of the matter, there's nothing affecting the target. The anointing is like the real bullet that goes right to the bullseye and affects hello. The, the anointing is like, I think God's calling them. They're have, they're, they have an emergency God's dealing with. The, the anointing goes right to the heart. We don't want to shoot blanks. We want the anointing. So I want to take a look at If you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you some scriptures to give you a basis for where we're going. And I will give you a lot of scripture as we go through this and as I teach on the anointing over the next few weeks. I will give you a lot of scriptures. And I would encourage you to take notes. Uh, you will refer back to them, I'm sure. And uh, I'm all about practical experience. <laughs> All about practical experience. I don't want you just to come to church and hear something and not put it into practice. When as you get an understanding, as God shows you, you need to begin to operate. Operate in the anointing. Begin to put a demand on the anointing. Yeah. Amen. We are, we are living, my friends, in the last days. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Luke chapter 4. We are living in the last days. And we know that as the Antichrist comes to power... 
that he operates, he operates in gifts of power. He's raised from the dead. He performs signs and wonders. He does all the great things. And so it would behoove us to understand as Christians what is the real anointing and what is fake power, what is demonic power. We need to understand the difference. As Christians, we, you and I, can operate in the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit. What is the anointing? Simply put, the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of God in our lives. It is the electricity of God. In James chapter 5 verse 16, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. And so the anointing of God, the power of God is available to us. The Word of God tells us what power is available. You've heard me teach this before. Jesus makes the power, makes the anointing available to us. The Holy Spirit makes the anointing flow in our lives. He is the power of God. The anointing is a person. It's the Holy Spirit, the power of God at work in our lives. And our prayer life is the conduit through which the anointing flows. If you're lacking awareness of the anointing, you might be lacking time in prayer. Not bringing your liturgy of list and request to God, but time soaking in His presence. The more that you spend in communication with God, the more time that you spend in fellowship with God, the more that you recognize the anointing, the power of God at work in your life, and the more that it can flow into your life and through your life. Amen. We find this in Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to take a look at several scriptures that we're going to go through, and I'm going to give you a bunch of notes. Uh, is everybody ready this morning? Yeah. Amen. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And we find here in the remaining portion of this passage of Scripture the temptation of Jesus. In verse 14 it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, <clears throat> and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is the anointer. He is the anointing. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is the anointing. The anointing is the person of the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate the two. The reason that we have disconnected the power of God in our services, oh yeah, the, God is omnipresent, He's everywhere, but, but He manifests Himself, He manifests His power and His presence in certain places. We know in the Old Testament, we see a picture of this, that Jesus, the, the, the presence of God the presence of God. He was omnipresent, but, but he was known to dwell in Jerusalem in, in, in more capacity or greater capacity than elsewhere. He was known to be in the Holy of Holies, greater than he was in the city of Jerusalem. He was known to be in, in the mercy seat, was the place of his residence. There was, he manifested himself in greater degrees in different places. 
We know now that the the veil has been torn in the New Testament by Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. We all have the opportunity, not just as having to have a high priest come into the presence of God, but all of us have the opportunity to live in the presence of God and to operate in the power of God in our lives. And it goes on to say, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down in the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on Him. Jesus gives us here a description in Luke chapter 4 of the job, the operation of the anointing, the purpose of the power of God and what it accomplishes. In Luke chapter 5, if you skip over a page, it's, another, it's the next page in my Bible. In Luke chapter 5, in verse 15, it says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 17 says, Now it happened on a certain day he was teaching. I'm sorry, let's get back to 16. I want to read that. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Again, the power of the prayer life. He was in the wilderness being tempted. He was praying. He was fasting. And yet again, the proceeding of the healing, he was in a place of prayer. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We see that the anointing creates a distinct atmosphere. The anointing is, there's an atmosphere of healing present. The power of the Lord was present to heal. We see that there is a distinct atmosphere created by the anointing of God, and we'll talk about that more momentarily. In 1 John, if you flip over there, 1 John chapter 2. Again, I just want to give you some scriptures before we move into the teaching. 1 John chapter 2. In verse 18, it says, Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists has come, by which we know that it is the last hour. And so Antichrist is against Christ, Christo, the anointing. Christ the anointing, against the anointing. Who is the Antichrist? He is against the anointing. He's against the power of God. Do you understand why we teach and why we preach and why we say it is so important that we be a church full of the presence and the power of God? Churches churches are moving away from this. They're anti-anointing. We don't want to make people uncomfortable. We We don't want people to get offended by what happens or what is said in our services. And so they move away from the anointing. They move away from the power of God in their services. We see in the last days that the, the false church makes an alliance with the Antichrist based on this. Against the anointing. The false church in the last days will be a church void of the anointing. They preach the right, quote-unquote, message. They look spiritual, but have no substance. They have no anointing. And they make They make an alignment with the Antichrist for political gain. 
tell me we're not seeing that in these days that we're living, that the church is trying to make alignments politically to advance, to be religious and advance our agenda, to be evangelical and at the sake of the anointing. Scary days in which we live. It is the Bible. We're living, we're living Bible days, my friends. Jesus said, when you see these things happen, look up, for your redemption draws near. Verse 20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just it has taught you, you will abide in Him. And if you flip over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. So I want to take a look today at the anointing and understanding the anointing. The first thing I want to give you is some Old Testament examples of the anointing. There are, there are five examples of the Old Testament anointing. The first one that we see is the holy anointing oil. In Exodus 30, verse 25, the Bible talks about the holy anointing oil that the priests were responsible for maintaining and keeping. It was a sacred anointing oil. Secondly, the consecration of the priest. We see this in Leviticus. There was an anointing for the consecration of the priests. There was an anointing for the consecration of the kings in 1 Samuel chapter 10. There was an anointing connected with the Holy Spirit. The anointing in the Old Testament was connected upon, uh, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon people, much like Gideon or David. The Holy Spirit rushed on them, anointed them, and the power of God was present with them. The difference, let me pause here, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament when it comes to the anointing in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon people to perform a particular duty, and He lifted. It came upon, the Holy Spirit came upon, and He lifted. He came on them to do something, and when it was done, He lifted. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes to reside. He comes to take up residence. He doesn't want to just come on you for a task. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to bring you into fellowship with God. Fifthly, prophets were anointed by God. The Word of God says, touch not my anointed. There are many examples of these, but these are, these are the five that, that we see in the Old Testament. God uses people not because He has favorites. He uses them to display His glory. Let me explain this. That a lot of times we feel like the anointing comes on us because, well, they're, they're the pastor, they're the preacher, or God likes them better than me. No, that's not the case. The anointing of God is on your life because it is unmerited. It is the grace of God. God will call you, but He will equip you and empower you to do what He's called you to do. He doesn't leave us powerless in this life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16 that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll, they'll speak in other tongues. They'll take up serpents. They'll not hurt them. They'll drink deadly poison. They'll not kill them, not affect them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. The power of God at work in our lives as believers. His anointing is His empowerment to accomplish His call in your life. The anointing enables you and I to do things that are extraordinary, but they actually become quite simple in the anointing. 
They're miraculous works. So the things you and I couldn't do in our own strength, and if we could do them, it'd be very laborious. But when the anointing comes on you, it becomes very easy. It's very natural. When you, when you yield to the anointing of God on your life and you allow the anointing to increase in your life, those supernatural works of God, the, the effect of God in your life becomes quite easy. Without the anointing, it's like trying to chew food without teeth. You're just gumming. It becomes very laborious and very hard task. Impossible. But when the anointing comes, it becomes very easy. I've been in services where musicians and the team, the worship and the preaching, and everybody has labored and labored and labored to, to make something happen. But the moment the anointing, and they recognize the anointing, and the anointing, the atmosphere of the anointing comes, the atmosphere of the presence and the power of God comes, it, it becomes smooth and easy. And, and all of a sudden, what was laborious and what seemed like you were taking all day to accomplish in one moment, you see, in one moment with the anointing, God can do more. In one moment with the anointing, than you can a lifetime in your own strength. Some examples of this. We see Elijah outrunning Ahab's chariot in 1 Kings 18. Peter and John, the lame man. There was an atmosphere that day for, for this lame man who was sitting by the gate to be healed. Maybe he had heard about Jesus. Maybe there was a, the commotion from Pentecost. Whatever it was there, was, there was an opportunity that day for the man's healing. And the anointing, the power of God on Peter and John's life enabled them to bring healing to the man who was lame. Sunday night, if you missed Sunday night, we had a phenomenal service. We, we had Rashina, it was camp meeting this weekend. We had a great weekend this past weekend. Great, phenomenal weekend. And if you missed Sunday night, man, you missed a great service. We had a great time saturating in the presence of the Lord and talking about the anointing. Man, you just, we were here for what, two or three hours? Three hours. And I felt like I'd been here for five minutes. I could have, I could have stayed another three hours and would not known the, dis, the difference. I actually turned, I said, well, can we do that again? Can we, just, can we just press repeat? I mean, this is awesome. When you get into the manifest presence and the power of God, everything changes. You can come and do church, and man, this is so dry, so dry. Can we get to McDonald's and Bob Evans, wherever you go? A couple weeks ago, it was Bob Evans, whatever, whatever, wherever you go. Can we just leave? But when the anointing comes, and you're under the effects of the power and the presence of God, those things change. We were in service Sunday night, and I'm not, I'm not a chiropractor. I have no training in chiropractic techniques or any of those things. But there was a young man here, actually Bob McGee's son was here, and he had, he had basically the chiropractor had told him that his, his, his back was a twisted rag. He was all, he had, his sciatic nerve was pinched, he had all these, his whole back was out of alignment. They basically put him on light duty, he said, you can't do anything heavy, you've got to... Take it easy. We're going to see you two to three times a week for the next three or four weeks. We've got to work this out. He was in bad shape. He came to service. We, we took time to pray for those who needed healing. We just put our hands on him, laid hands on him. And he said when we laid hands on him, he felt his back from the top of his head to the bottom of his tailbone pop all straight down his back. Was out of pain, immediately out of pain. He went to the chiropractor the next day. They ran 12 tests. 
and said, this is an absolute miracle. Your back is completely healed. The anointing. We had a lady, we were doing revival services, and uh, this lady, and we had masses of people at this point receiving prayer. And I was, my, uh, my wife and I were walking through praying for people in this service, and literally, it was in, in, the, in, in the gymnasium. We had people everywhere, around the gym, around everywhere, people everywhere, around, up, lined up the aisles around. We had a complete circle of people around the building for prayer. I don't know what everybody there is there for prayer for. I don't know. There's, it's impossible to take time when you have hundreds of people receiving prayer. It's impossible to take time with every person. You just go, go through the line laying hands on people. Anointing, anointing, the power of God touching people's life. And this, this woman, was, she was in the middle aisle. We walked up the middle aisle for prayer, praying for people. And she was there. She, I had never seen her before. She fell out on the floor. She was under the power on the floor. And I, I turned to walk, and Heather grabbed me. She stopped me. And, and supposedly, I guess, this, the lady's friend that was with her had told Heather while we were praying that she had breast cancer. And so Heather stopped me and said, she has breast cancer. And I said, tell her when she gets off the floor to go check herself in the bathroom and come back and tell me the report. Now, I've never done that before. I've never done it since. It's kind of an awkward thing to tell someone at church. <laughs> but she did that. She got up off the floor and she went and checked herself and the lumps were gone. Amen. Healed of breast cancer. In a moment of time, the anointing. The anointing will do, the presence, the power of God will do what you and I cannot do. It is the manifest presence and power of God. The Bible says that Jesus was anointed by God. He had the Spirit without measure. The Bible says in John 3 that Christ was anointed. He was given the Spirit without measure. In John chapter 5, verse 19, he said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. So we, we understand that the anointing is not us doing and operating at will what we want or what our desires are. We are operating and functioning under the power of God, under the direction of the Holy Spirit. What we see the Father doing, that's what we're doing. But all of that being said, in Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says that Jesus could do no great works in his hometown because of unbelief. Here's a man that has the anointing without measure. He sees what the Father is doing and he's doing it, but in his own hometown he could do no works because of unbelief. There is an atmosphere that is created by desire and desperation for God, by, by faith that causes the anointing to operate. It's by faith. It's not by our works. You can't, uh, you know, we, sometimes we get caught up in all the peripherals. If we can get the music just right, if we can get the sound just right, if we sing the right song, then the anointing will flow. No, friend, that's not, that's not how it works. It's by faith. There's been many times I've, I've been in services where, where people are they're going for it. They're just trying to make the anointing happen. They're just trying to make the presence of God come. They're just trying. They're working so hard at it. <laughs> it's very quite simple, friend. Just rest. Just rest in His anointing. Just step in by faith. Just worship simply. You don't have to, you can't make, 
You can't make it happen. It's by faith. You come boldly to the throne. You know that when you come by faith, He rewards those. Uh, Yeah, He rewards you if you'll just come in, if you'll just step in. We see example of this with the woman with the issue of blood. There was a lot of people touching Jesus that day. A lot of people. Matter of fact, the, the scripture says that the disciples' response to Jesus' question, God bless you, the disciple says, the, the, the disciples said, Jesus, everybody's touching you. Everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? Who touched me? Jesus said, No, no, there's someone. Who touched me. She placed a demand on the anointing. Do you come hungry to church? Do you come hungry into the presence of the Lord? Is there, is there a desire in your heart for more of Him? See, there's the difference. There lies the difference. I come to church hungry. I'm constantly in the Word and studying and preaching and teaching. And I love the Word. But I haven't reached the point of absolute satisfaction. I'm satisfied in God, but I know there's more. I'm satisfied in His goodness, but there's got to be more. And so I come hungry. I come, come into His presence hungry. I place a demand on the anointing. I place a demand on His presence. When you come and you receive prayer at the altar, you come into services, whatever the case is, don't come empty-headed. Come expecting something. You can always tell the difference. You know, when you lay hands on people, man, you can tell real quick what's going on. When you get people in under the anointing, I I love to get people in church and see them under the anointing because things become crystal clear when you get people in the place of His presence. When you have people, I always say the, the, the altar calls and laying hands on people is the litmus test. You can always tell how hungry people are by whether or not they come and yield themselves at an altar and receive prayer. It's very true. And when you lay hands on people, you can tell real quick what's going on. It's not judgmental. It's just being understanding of the anointing. There are times when you lay hands on people, it's like laying hands on a brick wall. The anointing is just hitting you in your face because they're not receiving. They're, they're, They're turned off. They don't want to receive. And when I pray for people, I will do my best. I'll lay my hands on them until I'm aware of the anointing affecting them. I can sense the anointing in my life, and I'm like Jesus with the woman with the issue of blood. Virtue, power has gone out from me. He recognized the power of God that flowed through him into that woman. You can tell. The more that you become aware of the anointing, you can tell as you're praying for people what's happening in the spiritual You can tell whether or not the anointing is flowing. So come hungry. Place a demand on the anointing. Man, you can tell the difference when somebody's hungry. They come and they keep coming. There's times I've laid hands on people and I have gotten hit. But, you know, that's that's how I describe it. I've gotten blessed. You know, I've gotten nailed between my eyes with the power of God as I'm laying hands on people because they're so hungry. I feel the effects of it hitting me because of their hunger. There's a a difference. Second thing about the anointing, and and hopefully this will help some of you who have questions on the anointing. I'm hoping this teaching, even if you don't fully get it, this will help lay a groundwork for God doing something in your life. The second thing about the anointing is we don't lose control when the anointing flows. 
We don't need any more spiritual fruits and fruit, fruit, fruit loops and quakes and nuts. We have a whole cereal box of churches out there these days. <laughs> the anointing, yes, we yield to the anointing. We yield to the power of God. And we are led by the Spirit of God. But you're not out of control. Your character and your integrity ought to be intact. Your character and your integrity is what supports the gift of God. You, you can receive in a moment a gift from God, but it takes a lifetime to steward that and be a disciple of that. And so in a moment of time, the anointing of God, the power of God can be flowing through your life, but it takes a lifetime of stewardship, a lifetime of discipleship to have the character to sustain that. We see that with Saul. Saul was anointed by God to be king. And the anointing never left. He was always anointed to be king. The anointing of God is never diminished. The anointing of God is never diminished. He was marked by the anointing. Even when he went mad. He stepped outside of the limitations of the anointing. He stepped outside of what God had called him to do. His character didn't sustain it. His, his integrity didn't sustain the gift of God that was on his life. But the anointing was still there. When we see in our Christian circles and the world around us ministers who have failings and, 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 and rock, our, rock our church world, does that mean that they're not called? Absolutely not. It means that the character and the integrity needs to be developed. The power of God and the presence of God is very real. We don't throw, as I often say, the baby out with the bathwater because people misuse or abuse it. There's always going to be misuses and abuses of things in, in church. There's always going to be doctrines taken to the extreme. There's always going to be gifts and ministries of God that are misused and abused. How many of you have ever seen misuses and abuses of the presence and the power? Of course, we all have. We have the extremes. We have those... And the misuses and the abuses, you have those that have no maturity. They have no integrity. They have no character. They've, maybe they've recently gotten born again. Maybe they've recently encountered Christ. And because there's no integrity, there's no, no foundation, their, their zeal without wisdom becomes destructive. We've seen that. And then you have the other extreme with, with those who have full knowledge and are abusing people with it. There's the abuses. Well, you just can't, you don't ever need to go to the doctor because the anointing will take care of you. Friends, the, the doctors will confirm what the anointing does in your life. Science and, and academics are to display the glory of God, not contradict it. In our world, we you know, contradict it, but, but it, it, it is a display of the glory of God. As you study and as you understand, academics and all of those things are, are to fully understand the glory that God is displaying in our lives. We've got to be transformed. You know, there's this, there's this idea that if we have, have enough pageantry, are you all with me this morning? If we have enough pageantry and, a, and enough performance, then God will move. We've got to wave our flag. How many of you have seen the flag wavers and the, all of that? You know? And I don't have a problem with those things. We had, you know, Sunday night, we had a pageantry person show up, and it was fine. And, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with those things. Go worship God in the back. Go, you know, where this isn't a show, go find yourself some space 
where you're not doing a performance, and if your heart's right, we'll be good. But we often think that we've got to do the performance right in order for God to move. That's not how God operates. That's not, what, that's not how God operates. I was in a church one time, and uh, we had gone through worship. Man, worship was... I would have rather gone to McDonald's. I mean, it was, I don't think we accomplished anything in worship. It was, there was no, there was no worship. It was singing songs is all it was. And they start off, and I love the song. It was the hymn, I Would Not Be Denied. And they started singing, I Would Not Be Denied. And you would have thought the place went crazy. I mean, they went ballistic crazy. I mean, they were running around the church. They were dancing. They were shouting. I'm like, who are you? We've just been, we've been worshiping for 30 minutes. And because we sang the song you like, you're now going to worship? Y'all hear what I'm saying? That's not what worship's all about. Worship, the worship of God is not about our style that we like or the right song that we sing. And if we do it the right way, then God will move. That's not how it works, friend. Worship God, period. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you may have seen the, the YouTube video, the Church Gone Wild YouTube video, where you've got people running all over the building. They're throwing their suit coats at the worship leader, and they do, they do uh, like army rolls or backflips into the baptismal tank, and they're going crazy. Anybody have seen that? It's out there in the YouTube world. You know, a lot of people say, you know, that, that we respond to the presence of the Lord. There's, our, our emotions glorify God. You can come and you can weep in the presence of God. There's joy and laughter in the presence of God. There's, there is anger and urgency against sin and, and the things of depravity. And all of those things glorify God. God's not looking for fanaticism, though. His motivation is souls. His motivation, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, is you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. So there is a power on our lives to be somebody, not do, to be. The power of God on our lives is to be something, not do something, to be. There's a difference. We're to be witnesses. The power of God enables us to be a witness, not go about and do everything. Everybody tries to do it. we got to do it. we got to work. The anointing is not, is not a tool in your tool belt that you pull out and you're going to go work it for God. That's when you start striving and you're, you're getting into human effort. That's not the anointing. That's human effort. You yield to God. You yield to the anointing. You step in. You can't turn. You know, uh, we have, I have so many stories I could share. I, you know, I've, I've never asked, the, the, I never asked God for the ministry that I have. Never asked God for the anointing that he's placed on my life. I don't, I don't, I've never turned it on and I've never turned it on. I, I can't turn it on and turn it off. But I know how to step in. I know how to step into it. And I've been ridiculed a lot. I've been ridiculed a lot for it. We had someone one time tell me, well, you just, you get up and you're just, you're, you're manipulating people. You have an agenda and you get up and it's all about you and you got to do, you got to do. And I said, you really don't know me, do you? <laughs> you? I am the shyest person ever. There is no way. If I had a plan or agenda, it would go out the window the minute that I looked everybody in their face. 
Like, I, that's not me. I, I cannot, I, can't, I can barely keep it together to preach standing in front of people. It's the anointing on my life. I don't like standing in front of a crowd and talking. I barely like talking to people when I'm not in front of a crowd. So how, how in the world could I get up? How in the world could I get up and orchestrate something where people are being healed, falling on the floor, laughing uncontrollably? How can I orchestrate that? Please tell me. <laughs> it's the anointing. And they were, they were dead. This particular person was dead set against me and was, was trying to get people to go against me. And they, they, they were, he was trying to start a little coup. And so he, he went... At the time, he went to our senior pastor's wife and said, I just think Zach is, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she said, maybe, maybe you need to get out of the box and experience the anointing of God, and you might understand things a little differently. You know, the, the Bible says that the Spirit of God is, is like the wind. The Spirit of God is like the wind. And we have... It's hard. The Bible says that, it, that it's hard when the, when the wind blows and you have someone that's full of the Spirit of God. It's hard for the natural mind to understand that. It's hard for the natural mind to understand the way the wind blows. We try to nail it down. It just is not going to happen. You try to, get, you try to figure the person out. And the minute you're trying to figure it out in your natural mind, the more conflicted you get. So let me help you. If you're trying to figure me out right now, don't. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Stop trying to figure me out and receive. <laughs> the anointing, the power of God, the presence of God wants to touch you and change you. He wants to flow through your life. Some people say, well, God, God doesn't, God's not a weird God. You know, how many of you have heard that? God doesn't do things weird. That, that's a common statement. God's not weird. God's not into the weird. I hesitate in saying that. And the reason that I hesitate in saying that is because by default, supernatural is a little weird. I mean, spitting in the mud and putting mud on somebody's eyes is a little weird. Calling a dead man out of the tomb is a little weird. Putting your hand on a casket, telling the dead boy to get that's all a little weird, right? To the natural mind, those, that's all very weird. So I don't say that God is not going to be weird. I just say that, that God is not into the fanaticism. He's not... He's not into all of the extremes and the peripherals. God is about souls. He's about people being born again and transformed. There are times it's going to look a little weird to our natural man. I don't understand why when the power of God touches somebody and they end up on the floor. I've seen that my whole life in ministry. I'll never forget the first time laying hands on somebody. I was standing behind them, had my hands on their shoulder, and the power of God came on them, and they fell into me. And I thought, what is this all about? God, what are you doing? But it's resting in the presence of the Lord. It's getting, whatever analogy helps you understand it, they're getting on the surgery table. They're laying in the, whatever analogy under, you, that helps you understand it, it's in the Bible. Jesus said, I am, and 500 soldiers fell down. On and on, we see those things in Scripture. It's the power of God, the presence of God. The other thing that we see a lot when people get weird is they start talking about the devil. We've got to bind this devil. We've got to name that devil. We've got to talk about that devil and devil, 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 devil. <laughs> to hell with the devil. We don't need to talk about the devil anymore. <laughs> the Bible says, Jesus said in John 16, that the Spirit will glorify me. 
So when you're operating in the presence of God and the anointing is flowing in your life, there will be a glorification of Jesus in that ministry. The other thing we need to understand is there's a difference between our mood and the anointing. There's a lot of times I don't feel like it. This morning, if I, if I, were, to, if I were to allow myself, I could stand over here and nitpick. I'm a nitpicker. Man, I'm a perfectionist. I can find everything wrong in about 30 seconds. I notice everything. Ask my wife. I notice every detail. I notice the carpet has stains on it. I notice the ceiling. I notice, I notice everything. It's a blessing and a curse. I notice every person. I notice the grumpy frown on your face right now. I notice it all. I notice it all. There's a lot of reasons that I could be grumpy and stand off to the side and, well, I don't want to preach today. She didn't smile at me today. There's a lot of reasons. But there's a difference between the anointing and my mood and how I feel. I have to operate and step into the anointing, flow in the anointing, no matter how I feel or what's going on in circumstance. I was, one time we were, we were doing a service and I was sick. I had, I had left the office that day and I was sick. I was nauseous. I was not feeling well. And uh, I had a headache, a migraine headache. It was bad. So I went home. Heather calls me and she says, hey, are you coming to service tonight? And I said, well, you know, you may have to preach because I am not feeling good. I, I may not make it if I come tonight. And she said, well, you, you, should, you, know, you should try. Well, the whole, the whole point of me trying to come was because it was my birthday, and she had a birthday surprise for me after service. So she wanted me to come. It wasn't about me preaching or coming to minister. She, she had a surprise for me. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll get it together. I'll come. And uh, I mean, I didn't feel like it at all. And I walked, in, I walked in the building, walked in the back door, and I thought, God, this is going to take a miracle. I cannot do this. And I, I came down front, and literally I walked in in enough time to get up and preach. Offering everything was over. They were just waiting on whether or not I was going to get up to preach or Heather was going to get up. And the worship team's just going, just waiting for whoever's going to get up and preach. They're just, keep on worshiping. Everybody's worshiping. Who's going to get up and preach? And, and Heather said, go for it. So I walk up, and as soon as I walk up to the platform, I feel the mantle of his anointing. I feel the presence of the Lord, the anointing for the, for the ministry time. I, my sickness, the sick feeling left. You know, and after the service, our, our worship leader that night, he said to me, he said, I didn't even know you were in the building. He said, I didn't even know you were here. He said, but when you stepped up to the platform, he said, my eyes were closed. I didn't even know what was going on. My eyes were closed. I was just worshiping. And he said, but when, when you stepped up to the platform, he said, I felt the atmosphere change. He said, I felt the atmosphere in the building change. And I opened my eyes and saw you standing there. And he said, I knew what was happening in the, in the service. It was the anointing. The presence of God affects the atmosphere. The anointing of God changes the atmosphere. I was in a service. We had a guest speaker one time, Tim Hall. And uh, he, I didn't know he was in the building. Didn't even know he was at the church. But came in the building and you could sense a distinct atmosphere in the building from the anointing of God on his life. The anointing that he carried. I want to say this. I'm going to wrap up. And y'all said amen. I have a lot more to go. I'm only halfway through my notes. So I guess I can continue this on later. I can continue it on now if you'd like. <laughs> I have, I, I'm sorting through my notes here. I want to I wrap up with this thought. Every believer is anointed. Yes. 
Every believer has received an anointing. Say, I'm anointed. Everybody say, I'm anointed. If you're born again this morning, you have an anointing from God. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, But whoever drinks of this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. There is an anointing. Every believer is anointed as salvation. We used to have a saying, you have an unction to function. God has called you, he has anointed you, and he's giving you the power and the ability to fulfill everything he's called you to do. Secondly, the anointing that you've been given is in proportion to the measure of faith that you've been given. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says God has given each one of us a measure of faith. The anointing, I could never be a math teacher. I'm horrible at math. Math is, I don't even have faith for math. I don't, I don't, have, I don't even have a measure. I don't have a mustard seed even to even do any good at math. Now, Pastor Joe is a math whiz. He has, he has the ability to do that. Not me. That's not going to happen in my life. But I have, a, I have a measure of faith for fivefold ministry. And so that the anointing that God has given me is in direct proportion to fivefold ministry and what God's called me to do. And likewise it is with you. Maybe your gift and your talents are, are hospitality oriented. You're great at making people feel welcome. Guess what? God may have an anointing on you and your home for ministry, opening up your home and ministering to the hurting and the broken. Maybe hosting a small group. That, that is the anointing of God at work in your life. Nadab and Abihu learned what it meant to not operate in the anointing that they had been given to in proportion to their faith. They tried to offer sacrifices that they had not been called to offer. And God sent fire out from their profane fire and killed them. When you step outside the anointing is when you get into trouble. The anointing that you've been given and try to operate in somebody. You can't operate in my anointing. You can't function. Don't compare yourself to me and don't compare yourself to some TV. You're not going to be the next Joyce Meyer or Benny Hinn or whoever. Your, your name's not Benny Hinn or Joyce Meyer. God's given you a gift and anointing for the faith that he's given to you. Thirdly, the anointing flows from your spirit, man. John 7, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The anointing flows from your inner man and it starts, it can start as a small stream. It can start as a stream, but oh, like the mighty Mississippi River, it can build. So I would say to you, if this morning, if the mighty Mississippi flow of the anointing scares you and intimidates you, step in in the small end. Step in in the shallow end and just yield and let the Spirit of God carry you downstream. It'll increase. It'll increase in your life. Just start small. Just step in. Maybe, maybe you got to go all the way to the very beginning of the Mississippi River and get in there. That's fine. Just get in and let it carry you downstream into the greater waters. And then fourthly, the anointing follows joy. Isaiah 12.3 says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The anointing does not follow your depression, your anxiety. The anointing follows joy. Joy is the bucket, the Bible says, that will bring up the waters of the anointing, bring up the anointing in your life. It's the bucket that goes down deep. And, pull, and, and it, for some of you, it might go way deep. It has to go down way deep to, to hit water. But it, joy is the is the place that the anointing follows. 
Amen. You have to understand that it's not based on how you feel, but step into a place of joy. God's a happy God. God is a happy God. He's not sitting in heaven depressed right now. He's not anxious about all that's happening. His anointing is not diminished because of what's going on in the world around us. His anointing is even greater, I would say. It's always increasing. There's, a, there's an ever-increasing anointing, presence, and power of God. So I want you to have an understanding. And Acts, I'll wrap up with this. The band, y'all can come on back. In Acts chapter 9, I want you to have an understanding of the anointing and operate. Understand that you are anointed. You have an anointing on your life. Well, I don't understand how to flow in that. Well, I'm going to help you with that. But begin to place a demand on it. Maybe simple. You might wake up in the morning and say, God, give me a word for somebody today. Let me, let me operate in this anointing, your power, your manifest presence today in some way. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that he may... That if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and they took him into the city. Saul had an encounter with the anointing. His first, his first, yes, yeah, Saul's, Saul's first encounter with the anointing was sitting, watching Stephen. Yeah, you remember Stephen? Stephen was a deacon. He, he was waiting on the tables, ministering to the widows, performing signs and wonders and miracles, and he was preaching. He was preaching about Christ, and Saul was in the distance watching. He didn't know it, but he was being affected by that anointing. He was affected by the anointing on Stephen's life. Matter of fact, if you go and you look at the epistles and you study the message of Paul's life, he preached Stephen's message. That was Paul's ministry, was what Stephen was preaching. He was affected by the anointing on Stephen's life. The anointing is like oxygen. Right now in this room, there's oxygen in the room. Obviously, you would be dead if there wasn't. It's odorless. It's colorless. You can't see it, but it's here, and it's affecting you. The anointing is very similar. You don't necessarily see it. You can't smell it, but it's affecting you. You get under the influence of the anointing, and it affects you. That's why we talk so much about saturation, allowing, allowing the anointing, the power, and the presence of God to affect you. You need affecting. We all do. How many of you would say over this past year that you have seen yourself grow spiritually exponentially? Let me see your hand. God has done something. Exp- any, anybody else? Okay. Keep your hands up. I'm not done. 
Keep your hands up. You've grown spiritually this year. How many of you with your hands up would say that there's been an increase of an awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence and power at work in your life? Everybody that raised their hand left their hand up for that question. You can put your hands down. The reason is this. The anointing of God and the, the emphasis on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit will change your life. The Holy Spirit will teach you and direct you and guide you. The power of God, First John, the anointing that you've received will teach you and direct you. If I can help you live a Spirit-filled life, live in the anointing of God, I'm helping you become a mature believer. That's what's happening. You're maturing in the things of God. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.